Hello, and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. I'm your host, Jason Harper. The Resolutions podcast is a project created by the ABA section of Dispute Resolution to increase the avenues where we can connect. Today, I'm sitting with Gary Benton and Dana Welsh to discuss the American Bar Association's 15th Annual Arbitration Training Institute and Arbitration Practice Development Program, which will be held June 1st through the 3rd in 2022 at Loyola University's School of Law in Chicago. But first, an introduction of Dana Welch and Gary Benton. Dana Welch is based in Northern California and has been a full-time arbitrator for over 20 years. She has served as a sole, panel, or chair arbitrator in more than 300 arbitrations, ranging from small, single-claimant employment disputes to multi-million dollar cross-border disputes. She is on the American Arbitration Association's employment and large and complex commercial panels, as well as on CPR's roster. She is on the executive committee of the College of Commercial Arbitrators, where she serves as secretary treasurer. She is also a founding member of CalArb, a new organization dedicated to promoting international arbitration in California. Thank you very much for being here, Dana. And Gary Benton is an internationally recognized arbitrator with expertise in international business, private investment, technology, IP, and emerging growth matters. He serves on the panels of the leading international arbitral institutions in the United States, Europe, and Asia. He is a chartered arbitrator and fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, a fellow and board member of the College of Commercial Arbitrators, and an academy member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. Mr. Benton is dual qualified as a United States lawyer and an English solicitor. In addition to his arbitration practice, Mr. Benton is the founder and currently serves as the chairman of the Silicon Valley Arbitration and Mediation Center. He teaches international commercial arbitration at Santa Clara University Law School. Thank you so much, Gary, for being here with us. And now to market the Institute, the American Bar Association's 15th Arbitration Training Institute and Arbitration Practice Development Program will be held June 1st through 3rd, 2022 at Loyola University's Law School in Chicago. I probably don't have to mention that Chicago in early June can almost guarantee delightful spring weather and Loyola's Law School is located just off Michigan Avenue in the heart of Chicago's Magnificent Mile. The law school is within easy walking distance of the numerous restaurants, hotels, and cultural institutions for which the city is famous. All of Loyola's law school facilities will be available for the Institute, and it is a perfect venue for the 2022 Institute's highly regarded arbitration practice development and training program. The Institute has two integrated components. The two-day Institute is recognized as the preeminent ABA arbitration training forum in the United States, and it is presented by a faculty of recognized leaders in arbitration and arbitration advocacy. It will feature plenary sessions on every stage of the arbitral process, followed by small group sessions that afford participants the opportunity to interact in depth with the faculty and with each other. In addition, the Institute offers concurrent sessions that focus on practice-specific areas. The practice development portion that we're going to talk about today is a half-day program that is the kickoff of the Institute. 
It too is presented by a faculty of experienced arbitrators and experts from well-known arbitral provider organizations. This program will provide attendees with practical guidance for developing, managing, and improving a successful career as an arbitrator. So, back to my guests, Dana Welsh and Gary Benton. Thank you both for being here. Dana, Gary, tell us who you are and how you're connected to the Institute and the Practice Development Program. Well, thank you very much, Jason. I'm delighted to be here with you and Gary. We are, uh, Gary and I are both involved with the Institute and the Practice Development Program. Uh, we are going to be speaking at the uh, Practice Development Program as well as uh, heading various plenary sessions at the Institute itself. I've been speaking at the Arbitration Training Institute. I think this is my seventh year. I was the co-chair for five years. And it is truly, you said it when you introduced us, it is completely the best course that anybody could take or attend if you want to learn how to be an arbitrator. And we developed for the first time the practice development program because every year uh, people who attended said, the program was great, I'm learning all about the procedure of arbitration from start to finish, but how do I get started? How do I build a practice? What do I do to market ourselves, myself? So this is really our opportunity as experienced arbitrators to help people along in that process. And Jason, Dana, thank you both so much. It really is wonderful to be here with you. I, I think you've both said it all. Uh, you know, in terms of the Institute, um, I, I've been on the faculty um, over the course of, of several years. And I agree with Dana. It's just an amazing training program for new arbitrators and also um, for counsel, for parties who are interested in learning more about the process. That's fantastic. And, and thank you both uh, for, for everything that you do uh, for, for, you know, just the American Bar Association and for arbitration in general. But speaking of arbitration, obviously you're both very well-known arbitrators, but I'd like to take this opportunity for you to take us back. Uh, tell us about your, your journey into arbitration. Dana, I'd love to start with you. Tell us a little bit about how you got into arbitration in the first place. Well, I'm going to be very specific as to location, and if you can believe it or not, it was on Mount Kilimanjaro. So uh, I was taking a trip on Mount Kilimanjaro. We climbed, my husband and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in 2001, and uh, I had just finished a job as a general counsel in an investment bank, which followed a long career as a litigation partner in Bidwaugh. And uh, it was kind of like, what do I do now? Uh, where do I go with my career? And um, it was actually a, a big birthday. Uh, it was a big 5-0, which kind mm. of dates me. But it was like, I really want to develop a career where I can use my legal skills as I get older, where it's not a, a, a detriment to get older, but people think you're getting wiser as you get older. And I also wanted a career which afforded me some freedom uh, so that I didn't have to go into the office every day, per se. I didn't want to go back to a law firm. I didn't want to be in corporate America, but I really wanted to stay engaged and have a challenging career. And uh, that's how I landed. And I wish I could tell you it was because I'd done so many arbitrations and loved the process, but that's exactly what happened to me. And what came later was I love the process and I love being an arbitrator. Well, wow. so just to ask a follow-up question on that, because, I mean, there's very few places that are better to have a revelation than Mount Kilimanjaro. So uh, when you talk about making that shift, um, 
at what point you mentioned that you you fell in love with arbitration at what point did that love start was it was it with the first one was it with the 10th one tell me a little bit about that so we'll talk about this a little bit more at the um at the practice session but it took a number of years for me to even get going uh, and mm. uh, get cases so i would say it was several years into my practice when i started to get challenging cases and started to really understand the process rather than feel at sea with the process that i, I wasn't really a master of the process so i think with with mastery and virtuosity you fall in love with what you're doing and that brings us back to this uh the arbitration training institute because we really want to pe give people a leg up to achieve that virtuosity and that mastery that's fantastic thank you very much gary i'd love to hear your story as well well, I wish I had a Mount Kilimanjaro story for you. I really don't mind. <laughs> Mine probably takes place a lot earlier. It's out on the playground. I knew when I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. And I, I really loved looking at the map of all these countries around the world. And I just, you know, um, just thought my entire life, you know, when I was in high school and college, you know, how am I going to put all that together, right? And so um, I ended up um, being very fortunate. Uh, I, I worked with... Um, a couple of very big international law firms starting out in my career. And so, um, unlike Dana, I guess I've been doing arbitration work forever. Um, and, and the reason I, I uh, really focused on arbitration rather than litigation as, as time went on is just because I thought it was a much more sensible, practical, civilized type of practice. Um, and when you're um, a, a litigator at an international firm, um, really the only way that you can do it, real international work is, is in arbitration. And so um, it, it provided a, a, a great you know, opportunity for me. I, um, so I, I've been doing arbitration work all along as I've been doing my litigation practice, as I've been doing a transactional practice. And about 10 years ago, I decided to go full time. And I have to say it's been great. You know, I, I love the practice. I love the intellectual issues. Um, I get to cover issues that I want to address. I'm not assigned to a criminal docket, for example. Um, I have a lot of freedom in my scheduling, no big law firm obligations. And if you know how to do it right, it can be a very collegial and satisfying practice. Well, that's fantastic. And, and it also sounds as though, you know, you fell in love with arbitration a little bit early, just uh, based on your participation in it and just seeing it, you know, up close. Would that be a fair, a fair description? Yeah, you know, that's right. You know, after that 10th day of depositions in, in some closed conference room, you, you just think to yourself, maybe there's a better way to resolve cases more efficiently and more effectively for parties. So absolutely. Yeah, let me jump, uh, just jump in here because uh, I really agree with what Gary said. I came to arbitration, I told you my story, but I also knew from having been a general counsel and having me a litigator, how wasteful how wasteful litigation is particularly for the parties. And uh, that especially applies to what happens in discovery in uh, U.S. litigation. Uh, the interrogatories, the document requests, I just thought there's got to be a better way to resolve disputes. And uh, I think both of us agree that arbitration is it. Well, I will say that, uh, you know, the reason why a lot of folks go into, you know, mediation and arbitration is because, you know, for, for a number of folks, and I would say a large number, it's that day-to-day -day of the litigation process that, that people fall out of love with. And 
and that's what drives a lot of people into arbitration in the first place uh, and mediation as well but obviously arbitration is getting the spotlight today so with that in mind Gary I want to come to you tell me a little bit about this half-day practice development program and, and how does it differ from the arbitration Institute that's the following two days sure so Jason the Institute itself the two-day session is is I, I guess the way I would put it is it, it's very hands-on all about handling arbitrations whereas the practice development program is, is much more practical career focused you know the question that we're really going to be asking there is should you become an arbitrator and if so how what are the professional issues that you're going to confront how exactly do you start building a practice um, are you going to be doing it while you're at a law firm um, or if you've graduated from a law firm so all of those issues um, are, are going to be front and center in the in the practice development uh, program interesting very interesting and so you know obviously I'm a mediator and and even the general public including lawyers can confuse the difference between mediation and arbitration so Dan I want to come to you first with this question how do you see the difference between mediation and arbitration how does this fit into planning to be an arbitrator and this particular program? Now, clearly, I don't want you to give away the store of, uh, of what you're going to be covering in, this, uh, in the Institute um, and the program, but uh, can you give us some differences in the practice and, and how you get work? So, uh, put, put briefly, uh, mediation is a process whereby the parties uh, attempt to negotiate a settlement facilitated by a mutual. Um, so the parties come to an agreement. Um, it doesn't involve somebody, a third party, namely an arbitrator, deciding the case. Arbitration, if you want to think about it in some ways, it's very similar to a bench trial. Um, so the arbitrator is the decision maker. The parties present the evidence, which includes testimony and, and documents, and the arbitrator comes to a decision, who wins, who loses. Uh, it's ex they're extremely different processes, and they they involve very different skill sets. Some people are great mediators, some people are great arbitrators, some people are great arbitrators and great mediators. But the process of getting work for a mediator is very different from the process of getting work as an arbitrator. And the program is really going to help people. First day program of the practice the practice development uh, institute is really going to help people figure out how to develop a marketing plan for becoming an, a successful arbitrator. Fantastic. Uh, Gary, did you have any, uh, any uh, follow-up thoughts to, to, uh, to that particular question? If well, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll just add, you know, I, I agree completely that, you know, being a mediator and arbitrator, obviously they're different roles um, and, and very different style, right? When you're a mediator, you're there to be friends with everybody and to get them to agree and reach consensus. Whereas when you're an arbitrator, um, it's really much more about deciding on the merits. And you're essentially working for the parties uh, to tell them what the right result is. So um, it, as Dana was saying, it requires two very different uh, management approaches. Absolutely, and it sounds like you're exercising two entirely different muscles. You're, you're listening differently, um, and and the 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 choices that you make are different based on you know, a number of different factors. Uh, so, Gary, let me come back to you. The first session 
at this practice development program is called Getting Started as an Arbitrator. So, Gary, obviously you're moderating this session, and, and Dana, uh, we're pleasure, it's a pleasure to have you as one of the speakers. Now, this session will focus on career paths to becoming an arbitrator, uh, the basic training and experience and where to find them, uh, setting fees, uh, arbitral immunity, ethical issues, and a number of other tips to help get started, which is absolutely fantastic. Why is it important to learn about getting started as an arbitrator? Gary? Sure. Well, so this session is about having the thought and bringing it to reality. And you know, when you're ready to make that first step as an arbitrator, making sure that you're making that first step in the right direction. So it, it's not just hanging a shingle. Um, we're going to be talking about some very practical things. You know, setting your fees, what's the right amount? Um, thinking about ethical considerations. When you're an arbitrator, it's almost like you have double ethical obligations in terms of conflicts because you're not just looking at who your, who your past clients were, but now you need to do conflict checks with respect to both sides um, and disclose um, contacts you've had, um, work you've done with other arbitrators. So there's a whole uh, uh, field to learn with respect to disclosures. Insurance. Um, are, are you going to be having insurance, uh, professional liability insurance to cover your work? Um, how does it differ from your law firm insurance? Do you get cybersecurity protections? Um, how are you going to be managing this practice? Are you still going to be at a law firm and have the support of your firm? Or are you going out and opening up your own solo office and having to start thinking on your own now about billing and record keeping? Um, and uh, it's really all about um, very personal approaches. Everybody is going to be coming from this from different directions. You know, maybe you've been at a law firm, maybe you've been in house, maybe you're retiring as a judge and want to pursue the field. And so I think what's really great to me about this panel is, is some of the diversity that we have. So you mentioned uh, Dana, of course, is with us um, and a very experienced law firm and corporate counsel uh, before she became a full-time arbitrator. And Dana, I, I hope you'll be reaching out as well and talking to other women about getting into the practice. Uh, another um, speaker we have is Theo Chen out of New Jersey. Again, a very well-regarded arbitrator and mediator. Um, and, and I think he too will, will, will share with us some thoughts as well on diversity in the practice. Um, and then our final speaker is um, Usher Winslet. Um, now Usher has this amazing South Carolina accent. Um, and, and he um, is, is now with a, a firm in New York, and he's going to, I hope, share with us some of his insights from coming from that small town in South Carolina to working at a big firm in New York and now being at a very small boutique um, law firm. Um, so, you know, the thought about how do you handle that, that dual practice, being a lawyer and being an arbitrator at the same time. So I think we're going to hear some amazing stories from all those folks. I think that's Oh, go ahead, Dana. I have something, Jason, if you don't mind, and that is that uh, when I got started as an arbitrator, it seemed completely mysterious, impenetrable. I just had no idea how to build a practice. No idea. Nobody teaches you that. You know, it's not like a track that you learn in law school or that you go to a law firm. So we're really here to help people learn how to get on the right path as quickly as possible. That's a very, very good point. Yeah, very rarely do people talk about the business of the practice and, and, and what all comes with that. But, but let's go to that. Let's talk about that first part, Gary, the, the career path, the training and the experience. 
isn't it just changing hats from being in court? And and if someone is an attorney or a retired judge, and this this might speak to the conventional thinking, don't they already know the the attorney or the retired judge? Don't they already know how to be an arbitrator and how to build a practice? And that is such a great question, Jason. You know, so I, I hear this all the time. There are people who say, I'm a litigator, I know how to do trials already, or they say, I'm a judge, I've been you know deciding cases my whole career. When you if you're one of those people, you're frankly hurting yourself and you're hurting the parties. Because think about it. Um, if you're a litigator, you haven't been in the position of having to be completely neutral. Your whole mind has been focused on representing your client, advocating their case. And now you really need to take a step back and be a neutral, independent, fair decision maker and make that clear to the parties that that's what you are. Likewise, um, uh, you know, if you're a, a, a judge, um, your whole focus has been on representing the government, really, deciding cases. You know, you're, and, and um, you represent the rule of law. And I think arbitration is really different than that. Arbitration is very party-focused. It's party-oriented. And um, I think that's a big change for a lot of judges. Um, you need to be thinking about the fact that you are hired by the parties to do what is most efficient for them to get this case resolved in a fair and just way, but you're not in court. And you need to take into account concepts like party autonomy, let the parties set the process, flexibility. You know, we're just not operating under court rules. There's just as well, I, all the institutions will, will hammer it in, that, you know, that the whole purpose of arbitration from their perspective is efficiency. We're here to be efficient, to save the parties cost. They don't want to be in court. They're here to have a different process. So I think there is a lot to learn, um, and you can't just say, I've done it before if you haven't. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Now, now Dana, I want to come to you uh, with, uh, with this question. Now, I'm going to be referring to uh, another session uh, at the Half Day Program, and that's called Qualifying for Provider Rosters. So why is qualifying for a provider roster important? And, and is it not the case that someone who has a good reputation as a lawyer or as a judge, um, is it not a situation where they can just hang out a shingle and the business will be there? That, and that seems to be the conventional wisdom. Tell me a little bit about that. So arbitration is a creature of contract. And what that means is that uh, arbitra the arbitration contracts have dispute resolution clauses. And in the dispute resolution clauses, the parties, when they draft the, the contract, will say who is going to administer the arbitration. I would hazard to say that in the United States, and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, the vast majority, if not the overwhelming majority, and I'm speaking of 90 to 95% of, of dispute resolution clauses, designate a provider. They designate AAA, they designate JAMS, they designate CPR, or they designate some other provider, but those are the big two. And uh, if you are not on the roster of one of those organizations, the chances of you being selected as an arbitrator for that for, for dispute is virtually nil. Uh, so you really need to be on a roster in order to get cases. Furthermore, these uh, provider organizations will help you in your professional development. They'll have continuing legal education, they'll help you market, and they will list you 
for cases for the parties to basically select who they want to be an arbitrator. So the first step in becoming an arbitrator, I would hazard to say, is to figure out how to get on a roster and how to qualify for a roster and be part of that roster. If not one roster, then several rosters. Uh, we, and I want to just say that um, the session is going to be moderated by Terry Moritz, who's a practitioner in Chicago. And we're going to have representatives of three of the major rosters speaking. So you're going to hear from Svetlana Gitman, who's from the AAA, the American Arbitration Association, Jonathan Moss from JAMS, and Helena Erickson from uh, CPR. So this is really a panel that I'm really looking forward to attending. That sounds like a very strong, strong program. And so to go back to your earlier statement, Dana, you know, obviously you mentioned quite a few, and there are a lot of different providers. So, you know, with that in mind, how does one know where to start? Uh, with, with all of these different providers in mind, where, where does one start? Well, I'll tell you how I started, and that is that I went, when I decided that I wanted to be an arbitrator, I went and I talked to people at JAMS, in uh, the Bay Area. I talked to the people of AAA. I talked to colleagues who had appeared in front of these or who had um, arbitrated in front of these various panels. And I made a choice to be on AAA's roster. So I think that you really need to talk to people in the profession and figure out what the strengths and weaknesses of each of these rosters are and what they provide you. Absolutely. And I absolutely look forward to, to hearing, you know, the, the different pros and cons of or, or maybe just the different pros of, of each specific uh, panel and, and whether it's a, a, a practice specialty or, or what have you. I think that'll be very, very interesting to hear. Gary, did you want to add on to that? Yeah, sure. Let me just add on very quickly. Um, so, you know, Dana and I, I think, are both very proud um, AAA uh, neutrals. Um, I, my choice at AAA was pretty straightforward because they clearly have the strongest international presence um, in the U.S. But Dana is absolutely right that you know there are a lot of choices on uh, between uh, providers. Um, uh, we all work on, on with multiple providers um, in the U.S. and beyond, um, and and everyone is different. Um, some of them, um, you know, for example, between AAA and JAMS, have very different economic models for, for neutrals. Um, and, and it's also important to mention there are, beyond those big institutions that we've talked about, there are a lot of regional providers too. You know, in, in um, particularly in smaller cities, there are specialized providers like FINRA that focused on the securities industry, um, WIPO uh, that, that, that handles uh, international uh, IP disputes. So there are a lot of providers out there and you have to learn about them and understand what they're all about um uh before you start approaching them to apply for their list that's a fantastic response thank you both uh and, and gary let me stay with you the third session at this practice development program is called building and maintaining an arbitration practice now at that session the panel will provide guidance on how to maintain and improve one's arbitration practice including how to build expertise and a reputation convey professionalism as well as market one's practice so you know, I, I again going back to the conventional wisdom, as it were, uh, is I, the conventional wisdom being that you get on a provider's roster and you're all set. You know, they they do the marketing for you, uh, and and you just need to sit there and just let the uh, let the cases come to you. Uh, is that not necessarily the case? It is not the case. So um, I think it's true for every provider. Um, there are a lot of people on their list, and 
many of those people never, ever get selected for cases. And so what we're going to be talking about in this session is how do you capture the attention of, of counsel, of parties, and the provider um, to be appointed to cases? And, um, you know, we're going to delve into, you know, what should be on your CV, what shouldn't be on your CV, uh, you know, how you structure it to, to make it appealing. Um, we'll talk about your marketing, you know, what should you be doing in terms of marketing pra your practice? Should it be writing articles, giving speeches, um, writing books? Um, and, and as well, the, the bigger picture of just how you're marketing your practice and, and managing your practice. Um, to make um, your practice uh, appear professional. Um, do you have websites? Do you uh, join LinkedIn? Uh, do you do other things that you may not have done if you were a judge or even if you were a lawyer? Uh, this panel is also going to be a really amazing panel. It's going to be moderated um, by David Tenner, who is a really capable and animated uh, practitioner out of Denver, um, a really good guy. Um, and as well, we're going to have, again, um, uh, the ADR providers joining us um, on this. So um, from AAA, uh, Nerissa Moisson, um, uh, from JAMS, Todd Drucker, and again, Helena Erickson, uh, the, the, the VP of CPR. And as well, um, uh, an added treat, um, Judge Jim Giles. Um, so Judge Giles is a, you know, a, a retired judge, and he'll talk to us about a judge doing marketing has ever thought of that concept before. So um, I, I think it's going to be a real good learning experience for, uh, again, from whatever path you're coming into uh, uh, to this program. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. And, and Dana, I want to come back to you because there was something you mentioned when you were talking about, you know, which which panel to uh, or which roster to, to join or, or apply to. And, and you spoke to a lot of colleagues, you spoke to uh, a number of different people. Uh, and, and, you know, building those connections uh, is a big deal. And so, you know, and it kind of goes into this particular question, is there value in being involved in organizations like the, like the ABA? And, and how does that help build a practice? Well, it uh, helped. I think it helps to build a practice phenomenally. Being an arbitrator is a very lonely profession. You're not in a law firm. You can't talk to people about your specific case. Uh, you don't really have colleagues. You have the parties. You have the provider. But the real way that you meet colleagues and you talk to people who share uh, common process questions as well as common legal questions is by being involved in organizations like the ABA. It's also the another way that you get to be more well-known. Well, how is that? You would say, well, aren't there just people like me who are all competing for the same cases? And the answer is that uh, somebody may have to decline a case and recommend you, or you might get you may get known and it might be a three-arbitrator uh, panel, and you get known as being a really excellent arbitrator through your work through the ABA, and somebody says, gee, I, I think that I'll appoint Jason as chair. I know him in the ABA, and he would be a terrific chair. He would really manage the process really well. Uh, so I can't overemphasize the importance of being involved in organizations like the ABA or your state bar or other kinds of organizations where you can really meet colleagues and um, have a real sense of uh, commonality there. 
Absolutely. Gary, did you want to follow up with that? I'll, I'll add to that just to say, um, you know, I've met some of my best friends um, being an arbitrator. And, and it's through organizations like Dana is, is talking about. Um, so I, because I've been involved in organizations like the ABA and the College of Commercial Arbitrators and the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, I have colleagues like Dana who I know I can call up if I'm struggling with some legal question in arbitration and they understand what I'm talking about. And, and having that resource, having those resources of organizations available to you is, is really fantastic. And I think this program will be a good start for people to find out what some of these organizations are, um, how they differ, and, and what value they offer. So I think it's uh, um, really important you know, to be thinking about involvement in, in organizations like the APA. 1,000%, 1,000%. And so the, the final question that I have for both of you, and again, thank you both so much for, for being on the podcast today and, and talking through uh, this, this amazing program. What excites you most about this program and, and the, the next two days of the Institute? Gary, I'll start with you and, and we'll, uh, we'll end up with Dana, but what excites you most about the program? So, Jason, I've been locked in my home office for the last two years. And I am finally coming out. This is my chance um, to get out to Chicago, um, to get to see Dana, hopefully to see you as well, um, in what's going to be you know, an amazing half-day program. Um, it'll be in the afternoon. There'll be a reception after. So you know, it's easy for people, if you're, you're in the Chicago area, um, to get back out in the world um, and, and, and come on over and, and, and start talking with colleagues, get a feel for arbitration. Um, and even better, you know, stay the next two days um, uh, and, and have the entire fantastic program. So I really do encourage everyone, um, whether you're local to the Chicago area or anywhere else in the U.S. or beyond, um, if you want to learn all about what arbitration is, how to do it, how to get into the field and how to do it right, I think this is the program for you. Um, it's a really a fantastic program you'll get all the basics on arbitration um and we'll get to see you there so that's what i'm looking forward to fantastic dana gary you stole my thunder i've been locked up too i think we've all been locked up we're so looking forward to having colleagues in the same room you know i've gone to the arbitration institute i think as i said i've spoken there for the last seven years and there is always something that i learn so i'm really looking forward to seeing colleagues hearing colleagues and learning and there's one thing that we didn't emphasize, which is during the Institute itself, there are arbitrators and advocates who speak. So as an arbitrator, I'm always very interested in what the advocate's point of view is for the, in the arbitration process. I always walk away learning something new, meeting new colleagues, and just having a great time. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dana Welsh, Gary Benton. You've been fantastic guests, and uh, and we are really, really looking forward to the uh, ABA's fifteenth annual Arbitration Training Institute and Arbitration Practice Development Program, which again will be held on June first through the third, two thousand twenty-two, at Loyola University's School of Law in Chicago. Again, thank you both so much, and this has been Resolutions a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. Take it easy.